Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today on the PCOS Diva podcast, we're going to be talking about myths and facts about Vitex and what you need to know if you have PCOS. And I have invited Jillian Barov. She's a registered herbalist and licensed nutritionist to really lead us in this discussion today. She works with busy women to help them have energy to do what they love and specializes in conditions that affect the reproductive system and urinary tract, such as PCOS and interstitial cystitis. So Jillian, thank you for coming on and kind of helping us demystify uh, Vitex for, for PCOS. I know a lot of us are, are confused with sort of the conflicting information out there. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. So I, you actually reached out to me and I'm so glad that you did because um, Vitex is something that we've talked a lot about on the PCOS Diva podcast. You know, different experts that I've had on have have different thoughts on it. Um, And you have recently done quite a bit of digging and research into uh, the pros and cons of Vitex for PCOS. So, um, you know, why don't, why don't you just get us started? Sure. So, you know, in my clinical practice, I've always used Vitex as part of a protocol for my clients that have PCOS. I mean, not for everyone, but it's definitely not something that I've shied away from. And then I started to see a lot of information and hear information that it's contraindicated in many cases of PCOS because it raises something called luteinizing hormone. And the problem is that with PCOS, there can be chronically elevated luteinizing hormone or LH already. And so you wouldn't necessarily want something that does that. So naturally I was concerned And I looked at the research to see where this came from. And then I got confused because when I saw studies, they were actually showing that Vitex lowers LH. And so I had to to do quite a bit of sleuthing to get to the bottom of it. 
But the reason why this is a problem is because luteinizing hormone is a hormone secreted by the pituitary gland in a big surge at the midpoint of the menstrual cycle. And it's what stimulates ovulation. With PCOS, if LH is chronically elevated, it really messes with the whole balance and the way that ovulation happens. One of the really interesting things is that we have cells in our developing follicles that under the influence of LH are what transform cholesterol into androgens. Hmm. This is part of the normal process. So androgens are then supposed to be transformed into estradiol. And when enough estradiol builds up, then a message, a positive feedback loop message goes back up to the pituitary, which is what stimulates that big LH surge at mid cycle and therefore ovulation. So when there's chronically elevated LH, women actually end up with way too many androgens and that somehow prevents the estradiol from being concentrated enough to send that message back up to the pituitary and we, we don't ovulate. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, before we go any further with um, what, why people think that Vitex raises luteinizing hormone, um, you know, what could have caused that um, alarm, I guess, in the PCOS community. Mm-hmm. Can you, for those who have never heard of Vitex before, what is it? Is it a pharmaceutical? Is it um, a supplement? Can you tell us what, what is Vitex? Yeah, that's great to back up. Um, so Vitex is the botanical name for an herb called chase tree berry. The full botanical name is Vitex agnus castus. And it's the dried berry that is the part of the plant that's usually used. And it's known to have hormonal modulating activity. Okay. So you would take that like in a pill form. It can be taken in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, And there are a number of different products available. Mm -hmm. So there are standardized extracts, there are whole herb products where you just have ground up berries put into a capsule, there are tinctures made from the berry. So it's really quite versatile. Yeah. And it's, I I know that was one of the early supplements that I took. Um, So the, the PCS community has been talking about Vitex, Agnes Castus, or Chaseberry um, since, let's see, I, I was started my PCOS um, journey back in like 2005 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's been around for quite a while. Um, and it really was just in the last, I would say, five years that people have been cautioning women um, about taking it because as you said, that it, um, can raise luteinizing hormone. Um, so why don't you go into more detail about, you know, what, uh, who do you think, um, would be the right candidate or how do you discern whether Vitex is for you? Um, so can I, can I first talk about where this mis- misinformation arose yeah, from? Yeah, please do. Okay, so um, like you, I also had been learning about Vitex for many years and that it was specifically indicated for not just PCOS, but anybody with amenorrhea where they had irregular cycles. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's one of the reasons um, that I have used it with PCOS. And I still think it's a valid reason to use it with PCOS. And like you, it wasn't until more recently that I started hearing that it had this contraindication. And um, when I looked at the studies to try to find out how it was raising LH, what I actually found was that it's lowering LH. And I also, um, you know, had to get back to the bottom of the issue, which was a rat study, I'm sorry, a guinea pig study that was done in 1961 in Germany, where the researchers fed the guinea pigs Vitex and then saw changes happening in those guinea pigs. And they attributed those changes to elevation of LH and, um, and also reduction of follicle stimulating hormone. FSH. The problem is that those researchers never actually measured the um, hormone levels. So this was really um, an interpretation and it made its way into the literature from the 1960s through the 1990s. And it's just become an, an insidious piece of information that's really hard to remove. And it made its way into literature that's well regarded in the herbal community. And so that is one of the problems. So, oh, that's, that's very interesting. I love how you went back to really get to the roots of where this information was coming from. Um, so did you find, has there been any human studies done on women with PCOS and Vitex? Yes, yes, and it's found to be useful. Okay, great. So as we know, there's lots of different kind of phenotypes of PCOS. Um, you know, there's lean PCOS, there's more of a classic insulin-driven PCOS. Um, do you have a sense in your practice what um, type of PCOS or the maybe the way PCOS is presenting itself which group of women work best with Vitex? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, what I look for is kind of a clinical picture. And so again, I'm looking for irregular, skipped or long cycles, uh, hormonal acne, breast tenderness before menses. And um, there is a lot of research on it being useful for PMS. So if that's part, part of the problem, I will consider it as well. The one area where I may be more hesitant to use it is if there's depression, because um, for some people taking Vitex will cause feelings of depression. Hmm. So, and I think that this is a perfect example of there's really no one size fits all approach that it does take some um, experimentation to kind of figure out if it works for you. Um, so if somebody was going to try Vitex, um, what is the normal, um, dosage, uh, like yeah. kind of starting point? Right. And so what I will say is that, um, even though I think that there are no safety concerns about people with PCOS using Vitex, that doesn't mean it's absolutely the right herb and that everybody with PCOS should use Vitex. And so sometimes working with a practitioner to figure that out can be mm -hmm. useful but mm -hmm. it's not a dangerous herb and it's a fairly low dose herb. So like I said before, there are some products that are standardized and those are gonna be used in really low doses like 20 to 40 milligrams per day. And then whole herb 
products or just taking the whole herb itself, the generalized dose is around 500 milligrams per day. But for people with really severely elevated prolactin and androgen levels, there is clinical understanding that even higher doses can be useful. And how long of a time period would you give uh, to kind of experiment with it to see if it's having any impact? There is a general rule of thumb with Vitex that it takes about three months to be useful. And um, people will actually even see things go a bit wonky with their cycle during the first three months of use. So it's not something to be concerned about. And then after about three months, it usually does tend to start um, helping to regulate the cycle. But you know, I've worked with people where it did take a lot longer. And again, Vitex wasn't the only herb, but um, you know, it, depending on what's going on, it really can take a year or two to hit on the right mix of things. And, you know, using herbs is not the only thing that, you know, will impact PCOS as we know. So, you know, the nutrition and the lifestyle mm-hmm. are huge parts as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's such a good thing to remember that you can't out supplement a bad diet. You know, you have to, like the, the nutrition piece I think is number one. Um, and, you know, certainly lifestyle factors, lowering stress, getting enough sleep, moving your body, um, eliminating endocrine disruptors in your, in your life. Um, and then adding on some of these supplements like Vitex, uh, can certainly help. So what I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think um, would be some of the improvements in PCOS symptoms to look for um, if you're experimenting with Vitex? Uh, well, I would look for the cycle to start approaching that normal 28 to 30 day cycle. Um, I would look for acne to start clearing up um, and a lessening of any PMS symptoms or that breast tenderness before menses. Those would be really the main things that I would be looking for. So I wanted to um, just kind of see if you had any other comments that you wanted to make on Vitex, because I wanted to pick your brain on some of the other um, herbs that you use with your clients that have PCOS. Mm-hmm. Well, there's one last interesting thing I want to mention about Vitex, just because it fascinates me, which is there's research that they're, the effects of it are dose dependent. And much of this is related to its effect on prolactin. So elevated prolactin can go in part with people who have PCOS and be part of that hormonal imbalance. And one of the ways that we now know that Vitex is working is by stimulating dopamine, which then inhibits prolactin release. So if somebody has known high prolactin, Vitex might be a really good choice for them. But there is also information that at different doses, it may actually increase prolactin. And I find this fascinating because of the historical and common names for Vitex. So the fact that we call it chased tree berry kind of leads you to wonder why would it have that name chaste in it, which implies some sort of suppression of libido or sexual excitability. And then another historical name for it is monk's pepper, 
And we know that monks, you know, were celibate and might have been trying to control their libidos. So the fact that it could potentially raise prolactin, and this has been shown in studies, I just find really fascinating. Oh, that's really interesting. So you're saying that higher levels of the of um, of the chase tree barrier vitex is showing that it kind of lowers the prolactin. So it's a little bit unclear as to what dose does what I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I wish there was more research into this, but um, what has been clinically shown, you know, among practitioners, not not maybe in studies, is that higher doses will have a lowering effect uh, effect on prolactin. Do you think, so I that, think it, that much is clear? Do you think it's also just lowering the androgens? Hey, possibly, possibly. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of other herbs out there that, uh, you know, I think about the Ayurvedic herbs like ashwagandha mm -hmm. that I think can really help women with PCOS that kind of have that adrenal driven PCOS. Um, but tell me what in, in your um, clinic, what other herbs do you like to use for women? Mm -hmm. Well, certainly adaptogens are a huge part if there is a stress component to it. So I do like ashwagandha, especially if somebody is, you know, stressed out and depleted, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, another adaptogenic herb that I'll often use is licorice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, I'm sure you're aware like that um, formula that combines licorice and peony root. And um, that this is like a classic combination for women with PCOS to help regulate the hormones. And, um, there's actually a study that was trying to determine, is it the peony or is it the licorice that's having more of an effect? And the study actually showed that the licorice clearly had an anti-androgenic effect and the peony, it was kind of less clear. So I think about that herb and the, the reading that I've done as helping women to induce ovulation, um, like that combination. Um, is that something that you know, rather than, I, I suppose it regulates cycles, but do you find that it helps to induce ovulation? Um, I haven't used it in that way. Okay. And I know that the other thing that I've read too, is that is something that you don't want to be using long-term and you should really work with a practitioner if you're going to use that combination. So the safety concern would be mostly around the licorice, not mm -hmm. the peony. Um, licorice in high doses can induce high blood pressure. Um, I think low doses, so it really is dose dependent, but in, in a low dose, I really don't think there's anything wrong with long-term use of licorice. Uh, like the licorice and the peony formula together. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think there's anything, um, dangerous about taking peony long-term either. Okay. Is that something that you use only um, certain times of your cycle, or do you use that continuously through the cycle? You know, I, I haven't found it to be, um, that important to do the like follicular phase versus luteal phase, mm -hmm. um, formulations. So I, I have tried that, but, um, if I, licorice and PD, if I were even doing like a two phase formula, they would be in both parts of the formula. And is there a specific sort of type of woman with PCOS that that seems to work better for? Have you noticed anything like that in your practice? 
Um, I can't say like with the phenotypes that you're talking about that, um, that there's a particular one that I find it more effective for. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it to be more effective? You for know what? Company? Honestly, I don't. Um, so I don't sell that combination and oh. I don't usually use it in, in my practice. Um, but I know that it can, it, it, just like what I had said, what I've read, that it's really helps for those women that, you know, have struggled with ovulating on Clomid, um, that it often does the trick. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. something to, to think about trying, um, you know, if you are struggling with ovulation, that has been um, like the anecdotal evidence that I've read about um, about the that combination or mm-hmm. interesting is there do you uh make your own herbal blends or is there a, a product that you like specifically around because i think it's been hard to find that specific blend commercially that has isn't like compounded at an herbalist so I do formulate specifically for each person that I see. Yeah. So I will be taking into account, okay, you know, stress is at play here. Um, you know, blood sugar regulation, the, um, you know, hormone balance or any labs that we have that might point me in the right direction of herbs. Um, if there's acne, is there, you know, something at play besides just the hormones? So, you know, I'm making specific formulations for each person that comes and um, I have those created by an herbal dispensary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's um, the optimal way to, to uh, approach using those types of herbs for PCOS. So, so I agree. Um, yeah, any, anything else, uh, other herbs that you like to use? Well, I think um, spearmint is something to keep mm-hmm. in mind for the excess androgens. Um, it can't hurt to have spearmint tea a few times a day. Um, there is some research showing that it lowers androgens. Um, there is also like a study that was done that included it in um, you know a simple herbal capsule that was shown to have positive effects. So that's one that I like to think about too. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of anecdotal evidence or um, on my PCOS private community page on Facebook of women seeing dramatic effects using spearmint tea in terms of hirsutism. So the the hair growth really um, slowing down after using uh, drinking spearmint tea, in particular. Yeah, it's very interesting. I went through a time um, in my 20s where I just drank great volumes of spearmint tea. It was like I could not get enough of it. And I didn't know anything about that, but it is interesting. And and you mentioned that you had PCOS? I do have it. Yeah. So that isn't that interesting how your body like innately wants to bring you back into balance. And maybe that's exactly what you needed to like lower androgens at that point. Um, so in your work, what else do you find is just helpful overall in managing PCOS? Well, I have found that food intolerances are one of the main things that need to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the primary one that comes up is usually gluten, Mm -hmm. but, um, I have seen that when the food allergies are taken out of the diet, 
that the period will just start to regulate itself. And do you think that that has to do with the inflammation factors of PCOS? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. There's um, a fertility practitioner, her name's um, Amy Ropp, and she wrote a book recently called The Egg Quality Diet. I've had her on the podcast to talk about that book. And it's essentially a pretty strict elimination diet. Um, But for those women who have really struggled to get pregnant, um, that elimination diet has has made a a tremendous impact with their fertility. So Mm. I think, yeah, I think you're definitely on to something with that elimination, um, figuring out what foods are causing inflammation in your body and eliminating them. Yeah. So this has been really helpful. I know you have a more detailed uh, presentation. It's like a 15 minute presentation. If women want to dive deeper on this subject of Vitex um, and kind of the myths and facts. So tell us where we can find that. Yeah, you can find that at my website, greenspringherbs.com. And it is posted in a blog. So that should be easy to find. And I'll also post a a link to that in the show notes. Uh, How can women find out more about your work? Um, And if they're, you know, if they would like their own specialized herbal blend um, for PCOS? Yeah. Again, my website, greenspringherbs.com is the best place to find me. And people can sign up for my newsletter there if they want to keep in touch. Or if you're thinking, if you're hearing this and thinking that you might benefit from clinical services, I would encourage you to sign up for a free discovery call there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jillian, for for taking time out of your schedule to share this info with us. I think it's definitely clarified things for me, especially after watching your, your presentation. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's been a pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening. I look forward to being with you again very soon. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcosdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye.